Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, all saying diplomatic boycott. Diplomatic boycott of the Olympics. Oh, I don't know if it's going to mean anything to China or not, but it's so funny that we discussed this just yesterday. And I said those words, that if Biden wants to engage a diplomatic boycott, meaning the U.S. still goes to the Olympics in Beijing, February 2022, uh, but uh, we're not going to send any elected officials. No diplomats are going. We're still sending the athletes. And a lot of people said, oh, that's nothing. We need more. And I said, I agree. We need more. But it is something because it's the start of something. And that matters. And it's so funny to see China say, well, we don't care, as well as saying, you'll pay the price. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. But what I said is, is that does it really move China? Does it change things in China? Well, maybe if you see other nations starting to do the same. Prime Minister Boris Johnson saying earlier in the day that uh, they called it uh, essentially a diplomatic boycott because they weren't sending any government officials. Just because you're not sending them doesn't mean that you're someone couldn't go. You got to say you can't go if you're an official. That's a diplomatic boycott. Australia, Canada, I, I should add, also in on this. What does this mean? What do we get from this? First, you should be clear that the person who gets the win from this is Joe Biden. It's an actual win that he gets he's the one who said it and now all these other nations are in he gets to show himself as a leader you will see his approval tick up because of it you will see it tick up because the other nations didn't go first Prime Minister Scott Morrison of Australia saying it's in the nation's best interest and it's the right thing to do, as opposed to all the lockdowns we have in Australia, in which case, F the citizenry. That's, that's what Scott Morrison said. I'm, look, I, I, I'm just the messenger. That, that's all I am. Is it an empty gesture? No. Is it what maybe you want? No, I think both those things are true. I don't actually believe that it's an empty gesture. I think that's that's playing to, too shallow of a, of a political game and one that I would argue you shouldn't play. Is it the very least you can do? Yes. Shallow, no. The very least, yes. It is the least amount of thing you can do while still being something of impact because these other nations got on board. Now China has to be say to itself, well, how do we save face here? How do we save face with all these nations now coming, not coming? 
And so what is China's response? It's specifically to Australia. Nobody cares about Australia Olympics diplomatic boycott. Now you got to look at a map. How many times have I said, I mean, we're going to get into a whole conversation about Russia and the Ukraine uh, with, with uh, Major Mike Lyons, a former uh, CBS radio uh, military news analyst. You got to look at maps. So uh, go, to your, go to your favorite map app and do a map of Australia. My favorite map app? You got a map app. I don't know what your favorite map app is. Who am I to, who am I to judge? Take a look at Australia. And you'll say to yourself, oh, that's lovely. And then you realize that New Zealand is to the southeast. And you're like, wait a second, I thought New Zealand was north. And you get totally get freaked out. And you can see, if you just move some things around a bit, that distance between China and Australia ain't that great. Certainly in the sphere of influence, they're both playing in the same game. How do you influence the Pacific Rim? How do you engage power? We've already seen China and Australia pushing back on each other in large ways because China sees itself as the dominant force in the East China Sea and the South China Sea and the Philippine Sea. They see themselves as possibly, if, if not already working their way to being, the dominant naval force. If they're the dominant naval force, they are the dominant force. Your navy is everything. And it is why we need to get the U.S. Navy up to 340 ships. I think that's the number we're looking for. Get everything back into working order. And billions of dollars need to go into it. Not into Planned Parenthood. Screw Planned Parenthood. You think Planned Parenthood is more important and more valuable than a military? F these people. You're out of your head. Tell Oprah to donate to Planned Parenthood and they can stay afloat with their abortions. I actually have to protect a nation. Now, it's strange that I have to protect some of the nation from the people who really like Planned Parenthood, but that's a different fight for another day. What you have to fight is the growing communist threat. Australia knows this. Are we going to forget that it was just the other day? I mean, this was two months ago that we signed a deal with Australia regarding nuclear submarines. The deal that so bothered the French because, well, we we undercut them. We, we undercut them. That's what happened. And the French were angry. They didn't know we were going to do it. They were going to supply Australia with diesel-powered subs. But why in the world would you have a diesel-powered sub when you can get a nuclear-powered sub? Not everybody has a nuclear technology in their submarines. That part of that deal is the keeping of China at bay. Of course it is. The selling of arms to another nation isn't just because there's a profit, it's because there's an opportunity that is realized from it. Maybe Australia felt that it couldn't go for first on a uh, 
on, on, on a diplomatic boycott. They could not go first because it would be too much heat. But certainly seeing America goes first gives them something to connect to. They probably would have preferred some kind of joint statement. I actually respect the idea of going first. And I think Biden's going to get some love from it. Don't worry, he'll screw it up. Because he is a screw up. The Russia conversation and regarding Ukraine, I think proves that and we'll get into more of it. Now, is this enough to save Joe Biden? I mean, people want to talk about Joe Biden uh, 2024 all the time. Is he going to run? I get asked that question all the time. And then I get asked the question uh, uh, about Trump. And I'm like, well, the rumors say. The rumor mill says that he's running. Let me add to the rumor mill. Oh, do you need to hear it again? Sure. Mark Meadows will no longer work with the January 6th committee. That nonsense committee. They had subpoenaed. He was cooperating. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm done. And the cooperation ends just at the same time that Trump hires Devin Nunez to be the CEO of the Trump Media Group. So you take the guy who is your former chief of staff, he won't cooperate. You take the guy who knows all the dirt about Adam Schiff and where all the bodies are buried, and you give him a job. I think this is Trump getting a team together, both within a campaign and outside of a campaign, for 2024. That's my take. All right, that's like, oh, stop it, I said. Thank you very much. That's what I think is coming down. As for uh, Biden, you, Biden 2024? Ew, David. You have got to be kidding. I want to say it now. I want to get it out of the way. Yes, producer Ari, I'll bet another stake on it. Joe Biden is not running in 2024. He's not running in 2024. Remember, I'm the guy who made the bet that there was absolutely no way Joe Biden would be the nominee. I made that bet. No chance, no shot. You know what I didn't have? COVID. I didn't have COVID there on the on the board to make changes to things. And of course, I underestimated the amount of hate the Democratic Party has for Bernie Sanders, even though his policies de facto run the country. I'm sorry, no, nope, the party. They want to run. He wants to run the country. He's only running the party. Democrats have such an incredible, massive problem. They can't escape. They can't get away from. And it's that Kamala Harris is just terrible. She's awful. She's horrible. And nobody anywhere wants her. Nobody wants her. I got to believe, however, that less people would want Hillary Clinton. Ew, David. What? What? Why do I bring up Hillary Clinton? Because Hillary Clinton decided to read 
from her would-be victory speech from the 2016 election. She wrote it? She not only wrote it, she read it out loud on video. I have to tell you, I don't know why she's doing this. I don't know why she would do this to herself. This is... Why why would you treat yourself this way? But here it is. I haven't even heard it yet. I have not heard it yet. This is Hillary Clinton giving, I guess it's on the Today Show, giving what would have been her victory speech. Oh, oh this is going to be painful. Are you... Producer Ari, can I get a ruling on this? Should we do this? No, so I actually do want to hear it now because I am immediately skeptical that this is her actual speech from the night. I need to hear the context. It's Hillary Clinton. You should be skeptical about everything. You asked the question, Tony. You want an answer or not? All right. So here it is. Hillary Clinton's doing a reading of her acceptance speech from 2016. dream of going up to her and sitting down next to her, taking her in my arms and saying, look at me, listen to me. You will survive. You will have a good family of your own and three children. And as hard as it might be to imagine, your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. Holy crap. Holy crap. I mean, that's that's just brutal. <laughs> oh, that is not nice. Seriously, Vice President Harris, what is wrong with you? Hillary Clinton is, she's buried her soul. Why would you laugh? You too, Pete judge. Uh, had she showed this kind of emotion on the campaign trail, she might have won. Holy, that's nuts. That's nuts that you would do that. Why did she do it? Like, what was the, is she getting paid? Well, it was the Today Show. So, uh, it, it uh, why why even have her? She's no part of of society right now. She has nothing to, to, to add. Um, no, she's not getting paid, but you want to be reminded that she's there. You know what? Let's put her on the list. You know what? I'm doing it. I'm putting Hillary Clinton on the list. (laughs) Oh, oh, laugh all you want, Kamala Harris. You have a total disaster going on. She is a hardened war criminal who has been through two humiliating losses. You got to put Hillary Clinton on the list for 2024. Put her on the list. Oh, no, no. I just proved it, and you know it. You search your feelings. You know it's true. Hillary Clinton's going on the list for 2024. So why did she do it? Producer Ari, that's why. She just put herself on the list. Holy damn. More to get to, including the tree is on fire. I'm Tony Katz.
So a tree decorated for Christmas on fire in front of Fox News. That was the story last night. Someone lit it on fire. A person got arrested for arson. Right? That's the basic story. Someone let a tr- lit a tree on fire. And if they had done this in front of CNN or MSNBC, it's all you would hear about. It's everything that would be discussed. Everything. The person arrested a 49-year-old homeless man with the last address known in Brooklyn, a lighter found in his possession. This was done purposefully. And one could argue done purposefully because it was Fox. Although, we'll find out. Anywhere else, this would be, look at the, what is this trying to intimidate journalists and, and all the rest. So this happens. And a funny thing happens after it. A fair amount of people think it's hilarious. They think arson is hilarious. And they're, they're thrilled with what has taken place. Dino Badala tweeting, he, he's, he's a serious radio host, and I think he was one of the guys who wanted to punch Nicholas Sandman in the face. Maybe it was somebody different. I thought it was him. Thoughts and prayers to the Fox News Christmas tree that was forced to stand outside a place that spews white supremacy and fascism. Perhaps the tree spontaneously burst into flames to save itself from having to see Tucker Klansman. Holy cow. To which I responded, joking about arson, calling those you disagree with racist, name-calling. Dean hit the trifecta of hate here. To which Dean responded, it's not a joke. He's concerned with a Christmas tree that celebrates the birth of Jesus, forced to stand in front of a place that spews hate. Sorry you aren't troubled by that. To which I replied, you're doubling down. Wow. That's all I said. He responded, are you going to cancel me now? Maybe defund uh, me like you do schools to teach about the true history of this nation? I mean... He went so off the rails so quick. His hate is so complete for Fox, which, by the way, he believes cable networks should take off the air. And that's his pinned tweet. That's the first thing you see when you go to his account. Hate rots the brain. Don't forget it. I'm Tony Katz. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You can't get me to buy into the January 6th commission. This committee. I barely could have bought into the commission when they were discussing that. I certainly can't buy into this committee. I cannot buy into the idea that something run by this Democratic Party is actually interested in learning what happened as opposed to finding ways to assign blame for what happened, and you will see these results released right before the midterms, when it can do maximum harm in what they claim, not necessarily what is, but there's a lot about what's going on that we don't know about. And certainly, 
while I would never have a problem with learning about things that happen and maybe ways to prevent things in the future, what are we dealing with now? Who's been charged? What have they been charged with? Who's been arrested? Is it as has been said, people have been kept from their lawyers, kept from being able to understand the charges against them, and kept in conditions that no matter who uh, you are and whether you think January 6th was nothing or the most egregious thing ever, you certainly wouldn't want Americans treated like this. What's actually happening? Tony Katz, so great to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. The show is called Tony Katz Today, in case you were wondering. Nick Searcy joins us right now. He is an actor. He is a director. He is a producer. The man is a star, ladies and gentlemen, and a monster on Twitter. Yes, Nick Searcy, S-E-A-R-C-Y, is where you find him on the Twitter box. And he, along with longtime documentarian and filmmaker Chris Burgard, creating capital punishment. And as the summary goes at IMDb, there are things happening, not only with that day, but with what has happened from the FBI and arrests and other things that should make people ask serious questions. And Nick, it's good to have you with us. It's good to have you here. Let me start with a basic, Nick. Is the premise of the film that January 6th was no big deal? Or is the premise of the film to understand what happened on January 6th? Well, the premise of the film is to understand what happened because how the film came about is that I was there on January 6th, not, not with the idea of making a movie. I just went because I love America. And so I was there, and I just walked around like a tourist and took some iPhone videos and talked to people and saw people singing and praying and saying the Pledge of Allegiance and waving flags and singing, we're not going to take it or whatever. And it looked more like a tailgate party than some sort of a riot. And then when I get home, I look at the news, and it's like they're not showing anything that I saw. The only thing they're showing is this little bit of, of vandalism and violence that broke out with about three or 400 people. And there were over a million people there. Many people say 2 million people. So that's why the film came about. It's just me sitting there going, why are they lying about this? Why are they not telling the truth? And so then we, uh, we began making the film in April. So when you, when you go to make this film, it is about saying there's more to the story. So as you start digging in, and I, look, I, I know Chris Burgard, he made one of, one of the great stories uh, or, or documentaries about uh, what's going on uh, between the United States and Mexico. It's actually called Border. It's an incredibly powerful, uh, very well done documentary. You just say to yourself, I want to be able to share the stories of what I saw. So in that investigation that you start in April, what do you start coming up against? Well, when we first started the movie, it was it was going to be called The Trouble with Free Speech because I saw what was happening, the lies that the media and the government were, were telling, was an attempt to suppress the free speech of people who disagree with them. But then as we began to dig deep more deeply and we started to talk to people who ha- whose homes had been broken into by the FBI, we talked to four or five people in this movie, have their doors busted in at 6 a.m. by the FBI, by SWAT teams, armored vehicles coming down their little suburban streets. And these are people that have never been arrested for anything before in their lives. And most of them never went inside the building, committed no act of violence that day. And they're being treated by our government like they are drug dealers or like they're Pablo Escobar or, or some sort of some sort of serial killer 
And the, the thing that struck me as we, as we kept going and meeting more and more of these people is that these people are just simply being punished. They're being terrorized and stigmatized in their communities by the government coming down to try to send a message, don't ever, ever resist us ever again. Don't speak up and use your voice because this kind of thing will happen to you. Talking that's what to, the lies are all about. That's, that's why they're lying. Talking to actor and producer Nick Searcy of the book Capital Punishment. Uh, which you give, is it CapitalPunishment.com, Nick? Is that where you find it? No, it's Capital Punishment, and that's capital with an O, like the Capitol building. A little pun there. CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com. Okay, so I forgot the movie part. CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com is, is where you go. Now, this is where I think you're getting uh, the, the, the pushback, because as you're looking into this, it, it, I think this movie plays for some people as you trying to defend the actions of January 6th. And as I understand the movie, you're not discussing the actions of those people on January 6th. You're discussing the actions of our government afterwards. Yeah, that's a, that's a large part of the movie because I thought that was more uh, the most important thing. When you, when you look at what these people actually did on that day and you see how they're being treated, there is no correlation. It, it doesn't match up. There's uh, two 74-year-old women in our movie, twin sisters, who were at the Capitol. They saw people going in and out. The police were standing right there. They said, do you want to go in? Yeah, okay. They walked in. They asked the policeman if it was okay if they were there. And the police said yes. And they took a couple of pictures, and they went home. And three weeks later, the FBI's pounding on their door, threatening them with a year in jail, telling them that they're now classified as domestic terrorists and they're going to have trouble flying. These are two 74-year-old women. And that, that's the kind of thing that I saw. Because when I was there, it was like I saw people of all colors, all races, all religions, and most of the people that I saw were my age or older. And what were we armed with? Like blood pressure medicine and polygrip and our sleep apnea machines. It's like the whole narrative that they are selling, that everybody that went to Washington is some sort of violent domestic terrorist, is ridiculous on its face. But they keep pushing that lie because what they want to do is, is terrorize people into never opposing anything they do ever again. I have heard many stories and I've seen videos, and for some reason, this, for some reason, you can imagine as if my naivete is that strong, they don't make uh, the national scene that there were people indeed invited into the Capitol. Uh, and so it's very confusing. How can you tell me that I was trespassing when the police said, come on in? Uh, the thing that I want to dig into further is where you're getting pushback on the film, CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com, with an O, CapitalPunishmentTheMovie.com, because what some want to say about it, and I believe are saying about it, is here you are trying to defend what happened and the riots and the insurrection that took place. Now, you know I don't believe it was an insurrection. I just believe those people were wrong. But it, it's it's... That's not your film. And when you talk about women who were invited in and then get, you know, having their, their door beaten down, if you will, and questioned by the FBI, you see what they did to Paul Manafort. You see what they did to Roger Stone. And this is the abuse when you then go to the FBI and say, why are you doing this? Or you go to law enforcement or you go to elected officials. How do they respond to you? Well, they won't talk to us. 
I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. They don't have to answer to us, and, and that's the problem. You know, you can't, you can't ask these people these questions because they, they pretend you don't exist. And that's really what's happening with capital punishment. It's not even so much that we're getting criticized or getting pushed back. We're, they pretend that we don't exist. That's what they did with Gosnell. That's what they do with every movie, every book, everything that's effective that, that, that might expose the lie. They don't, they don't even argue with you. They just pretend you aren't there. And they proceed on with what they want to do. What has been uh, the early response uh, to uh, the, the, the film? What, what ha- have you been able to get screenings? Have you been able to get it uh, to some level of distribution? What's been happening? Well, the only place we did it on purpose, the only place to get the movie right now is capitalpunishmentthemovie.com because we had to offer it on some servers that were not part of AWS that could not be knocked down by the left. And so right now the way to get it is to go straight to this website. We're not really going to try to go to theaters because the, the whole theater business has been ruined anyway. You know, the, the Hollywood has killed that industry by with all the COVID nonsense, and now you have two years of people not even going to the movies because they're not allowed to. And so now it's, it's, not, it's not even that much of a part of anybody's life anymore. Everybody's watching everything at home anyway. So we decided to go straight to the public, do it in such a way that the gatekeepers couldn't stop us. And so you can purchase directly from capitalpunishmentthemovie.com. You can purchase the movie and watch it right there in your home. You know, unrelated but related, as as you and I have talked about, uh, the creation of content and, and distribution, and, you know, you're still acting in movies, you're doing stuff with... with uh, uh, can I, am I allowed to speak freely? I don't know if, I wanna, if I'm speaking out of school. Uh, your yeah, latest no, film no, is... Your latest film is with with the the guys over at Daily Wire, uh, doing yeah. a, a film with with Gina Carano. Um, yeah. You do, of course, major uh, blockbuster films as as well. Um, the distribution conversation seems to have gotten a whole lot easier, and that the the days of having to rely on a studio. Are, are, are not the way you have to go. You've got this movie out right now, capitalpunishmentthemovie.com. Is, is that your take, that distribution has become less of a hurdle than before? Well, what I've been saying for two years is that we have to build our own Hollywood. We have to build our own content, and we have to build our own delivery systems. And that is what is happening. We have found a way. Hollywood rejects content that they disagree with because Hollywood is dominated by the left, and a lot of Hollywood is dominated by Chinese Communist Party money, so they're not going to put out any products that we make. So we have, we have been forced to build our own delivery system, and it's beginning to work. And I think this is going to continue. We're going to go around Hollywood. We're not going to be dependent on them anymore. We don't need them to release our films. And now we can make films directly for people that want to see them and have a delivery system that they can't touch. His name is Nick Searcy. Uh, you can find him everywhere. He's been in every movie you've ever liked. Uh, yes, Nick Searcy <laughs> on, well, it's true. Yes, Nick Searcy on the Twitter box and the movie Capital Punishment, C-A-P-I-T-O-L, capitalpunishmentthemovie.com. You can check it out there. You can purchase the film there, see the trailer, do it all. Uh, always a pleasure, Nick, and I will speak to you soon. Tony, nice talking to you again. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.
so did Apple make a deal with China that screws all of us? I am not making the argument that there are companies working in China that shouldn't be. Investing in China that shouldn't be. That China steals. Of course they do. That trusting China is just... Well, that's a bad idea. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. The story goes that Apple in 2016 promised Beijing $275 billion worth of investment over five years in exchange for relaxing pressure on the business. So they paid the VIG. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we not discussing it in the organized crime parlance that it clearly is you want access to our markets we've got nice markets tommy do we have nice markets or do we have nice markets? we got nice markets we got some of the best markets you're ever gonna see you want access we know but a lot of guys that want access to our markets what are we gonna do we're gonna give everybody access to the markets they ain't special they tommy is that special that's not special so i you know i mean i don't know if there's something you can do I don't know if there's something you can do. You only you know if there's something you can do. We got markets. You want into the markets? I that that's I think they call that an impasse. Maybe they call it impasse. I don't know. I never learned to speak too good. What I know is we got a market. You want in on the market? I don't know. And then you're left to fill in the blanks. But the story goes deeper than just paying a bribe that there was going to be work done to help China grow its technology profile. Meaning teaching people how to do some of the work they do at Apple so they could do it themselves. That is a problem. Now, as is discussed, you have a fair amount of people who will tell you, look, Everyone has built research and development centers in China. They've directly handed over intellectual property to deal with these communist thieves. They are who they are, who they are, who they are. Stop trusting them and everything will be okay. Only a fool trusts China. So, you know, you got to figure that this happens with a lot of people constantly. Do you hold it against Apple? The answer is maybe. Maybe. Because what did that $275 billion investment do to us? What has been used against us? Are we going to find out that uh, any iPhone users in China? Well, of course we will. Their iPhone data was always given over to, to the Communist Party. That's just who they are. Anybody else's data? All that talk about privacy? We'll see. We'll see. Does this keep me from buying another Apple product? You know, I've had reasons not to buy Apple products before, and in the end, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I need to get the thing because this is the life we lead. It's very frustrating. And Apple has taken some steps and some uh, engaged some conversations to ensure security as opposed to others. $275 billion payoff, man. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot of money. That's a tremendous 
amount of money. And what they need to be asked is, did you need the market so bad? Did you need the market so bad? Same question to Apple is the same question to the NBA. Did you need it so bad? Tony, you're not a you know, a stockholder. They may see it differently. I'm just asking the question of the people who want to treat us like they're their better, our betters. What did you actually sell? More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.